There was a time when if you wanted to travel from southwest Florida to southeast Florida by car, your options were limited. You'd probably end up taking the Tamiami Trail, a road that literally meant to Miami. But around the 1950s, people thought, well, there must be a better way. So they started planning one, and then they built one. This is the tale of Alligator Alley. Welcome to Tales from South Florida. I'm your host, Bill Monty. And just as we said in the opening, there was a time that getting to the west coast of South Florida, or getting to the east coast from the west coast, just wasn't that easy. But then a road was built. Around 1968 it opened. It was called Alligator Alley. Now the name, while it became kind of a touristy, hey, that's kind of cool name, a little bit later on, actually was meant as a term of derision. When it was originally planned, people thought the only thing going down that road will be alligators, not cars. And for a while, <laughs> they might have been right after it was open. I think my first memory of Alligator Alley probably happened around the late 60s. My father was meeting someone. They were going on a business trip, and my mother had to drive us out to this road where they were going to meet. Well, that road was the, before that, unseen by us, Alligator Alley. Now picture, it's about 6 o'clock, 6.30 in the morning. I remember it was rather chilly that morning. And the road was shrouded in fog, like the opening scene of a Stephen King movie or something. Everything was very gray. And I looked down that road thinking, well, what could be down there? Well, I'd find out a few years later. For us, Alligator Alley turned out to be the place we'd go out on Saturday afternoons or Sunday afternoons. Sometimes we'd take our friend Kelly along. And we'd head out to that first fishing spot. There was a small boat ramp. You go there now, it's a large boat ramp. But it was like literally just a ramp to get off. You could park your car along the side of the road. And we'd sit there fishing, usually catching about 20 or 30 brim. You know those small little fish, freshwater fish called brim? Uh, yeah, if you caught about 30 of them, after you scaled them, uh, you might be able to make one fish sandwich. And we also caught a lot of garfish, which is something you catch a lot of in the Everglades back then. I'm assuming you still do. Don't know. haven't been fishing out there in a while. But it was barren back then. You'd show up. If there were no bathrooms around. There was nothing around, actually. You paid a toll to get onto the road. Back then, I think it was maybe 25 cents or 50 cents, something like that. And knowing my father, we probably stopped right before that toll. <laughs> he wouldn't want to pay that much to go fishing when he could do it anywhere in South Florida for free. Yeah, those were some great afternoons that were spent there. But the road itself and what lay beyond it, we wouldn't know for a couple of years. But when we did start taking it, I have to say it almost lived up to that Stephen King movie kind of feel, especially at night. It was a two-lane road. Truckers took it. People in cars took it. People in speeding cars took it. Everyone, it seemed, wanted to get off there as fast as possible, so they were driving as fast as possible. Passing cars when it wasn't safe. A lot of accidents back then. And when that road got shut down, you were stuck until it was cleared out. It was a dangerous road. Hundreds of people were killed over the years on that road. And to this day, still, even though they've expanded on it, if there's an accident out there, it means big trouble if you're trying to get from one coast to the other. I can remember at night, and there were no lights. There weren't like any street lights or anything back when it first opened. And as you'd be driving along, the only light, the headlight of your car, 
and the cars that were coming towards you, and you'd hear this constant thump, thump, thump. Well, those were snakes that we were running over. If you heard a big thump, which luckily we never did, it might be an alligator, might have been a Florida panther, might have been some other form of wildlife. Those were scary times on that road. But again, if you wanted to get to the West Coast from over here quickly, that was the way to do it. Now, we didn't do that that often. And even sometimes when we would go to Tampa, like to Bush Gardens or someplace like that, or with my father on a business trip, he'd usually drive up to the Palm Beach area, then cut across on 60. We'd go through Clewiston, eat at the Old South Barbecue. Anyone remember the Old South Barbecue? But when I started driving and needed to get over there for business or for pleasure, I always took Alligator Alley. And no one was happier than me when they expanded it into a four-lane road. It was officially part of I-75 then. That's the road that runs some 1,800 miles from the Miami area to the Canadian border. That stretch on Alligator Alley, that can prove to be one of the most beautiful in the state of Florida. I reckon that that and the trip down to the Keys on A1A are probably the best way to see old Florida the way it might have been a very long time ago. Motorists can gaze at the Everglades stretching to the horizon on either side. And back in the day, undisturbed by towns, buildings, or billboards, quite a few billboards now. There's a casino out there somewhere I've never been. A big rest area, gas station. So even that pristine, old, natural part of the Everglades that you could view from Alligator Alley once upon a time is also starting to vanish now. And I imagine soon, with the way that everything goes here, the way we can't wait to pave over a piece of nature to put up another building or a road probably won't be long before everything that made it unique and wonderful will go away back in those days though when it first opened you might see thick black clouds of mosquitoes the mating love bugs would cover your car black crows would sit atop fences white egrets and herons soared lazily over the water and the grass and occasionally you would see that alligator that the road was so famously named for when there's a brush fire even today, it can cause the road to be shut down, but back then it had to be. Those deep canals on either side where you used to see the occasional alligator sunning on the side of the road, that was pretty much gone now. Because of all the wildlife that was being killed and the people that were being injured or killed when they hit the wildlife, they put up fences. So for the most part now, the wildlife was kept on their side of the road and we have ours. When they made it a four-lane road, they created underpasses for ways for water and the animals to get safely across the road. Yeah, Alligator Alley has undergone many changes. You know, when the project was first announced, the state wanted to call it the Everglades Parkway. Yeah, kind of generic. Other people wanted to call it Swamp Pike, Alligator Lane, and finally, Alligator Alley, which was the name that stuck. In 1993, however, the road officially lost the Alligator Alley name and just became part of I-75 but not to those of us who remember when. I'll be right back. Friends, I have some exciting news for you. Cirque du Soleil Echo Under the Big Top is coming to Gulfstream Park from February 22nd to April 21st, and Tales from South Florida, we're the official podcast for this engagement. That means we're going to be able to offer you special price tickets just for our listeners information about how you can save even more with groups of 10 or more and we're going to be giving away a pair of tickets all you need to do to be entered to win is write to me at tales from south florida at gmail.com and be sure to put in the body of the letter i want to go to the cirque we'll be drawing our tickets as the engagement gets closer 
And I can't wait to see you there. Cirque du Soleil Echo under the big top at Gulfstream Park, February 22nd to April 21st. The original cost to build Alligator Alley was $17 million. That was back in the 1960s. A lot of money back then, a lot of money today, too. It cost $189 million in 1980s money just to four-lane the alley. The original state bond issued was paid off in 1984, years ahead of its planned date of 1991, and tolls were to stay in place for only another decade. So we should have stopped paying to go on Alligator Alley somewhere around... 2001. If you've been on there recently, you know we're still paying. It's still in place today. However, for only about $3.25 each way, I think it's a bargain to quickly get from one coast to another. I hope you've enjoyed this talk down memory lane as we talk about Alligator Alley, and I want to hear your memories and your thoughts. Did you ever go fishing off of there like we did when I was a child? You ever sat in traffic after an accident or not been able to see because of the fire and smoke blinding your way as you try to get to the alley? What are your memories? Be sure to tell us by writing us at talesfromsouthflorida at gmail.com or giving us a call at 754-800-3170 and leaving a voicemail. We have a new website coming up soon. We have a lot of things coming. Getting really exciting as you can hear. We are the official podcast for Cirque du Soleil Echo. I'd like to do some shout-outs also to everyone who has supported us. We're only about a week and a half to two weeks into this new podcast, and the support has just been tremendous. A special shout-out to Susan Correa, Matt Leibowitz, and Jeff Wolf for all of their support and help in getting the word out. Please tell your friends and neighbors about us, and be sure to join us on our Facebook page where we're having even more fun, Tales from South Florida on Facebook. We will see you the next time when we have more tales from South Florida. And remember... Always be kind.